0: Welcome to the latest episode of Provincial State of Mind with myself, Owen Harrison, Jeff Neville and Tom Savage. This is a podcast focused on all four Irish provincial sides in both the URC and European competitions. We discuss what happened the previous weekend, what we can expect from each province in the upcoming games, as well as any major off-field news. So now, boys, what have you been up to this week? Jeff?
1: Uh, We were just talking off-air there. I actually forgot what I got up to this weekend. But in terms of this week, I'm having quite a nervous one, to be honest. Quite a trepidatious week. Because this weekend I am taking part in the Great Limit Run. And uh, I have not, a bit like Harry Byrne going to New Zealand, I don't have a huge body of work behind me. So I am (laughs) quite anxious about this weekend. Um, But I'll approach it with the same usual vigour I do to life, you know. But (laughs) we'll see how we get on. I'm just trying to eat and sleep all week as best I can. But in the back of my mind, I'm like... You're going to die on Sunday. So You never asked
2: me for advice on the race. You see, you're a sprinter.
1: Well, that's, you know, is, I suppose um, it is long distance. Yeah, yeah you see, you you can just bust a gut for that 10 seconds, you know, yeah. whereas I, uh, I actually ended up going on to the website of the course and seeing what time it finishes, like what time it closes. So I know what I have to play with. <laughs> so some people are like, you know, I hope to run sub two, sub three, sub four. I looked at it and I was like, right, the course closes at three o'clock. That's my cutoff point. Um, get
2: there If we can get there by tea time, we'll be fine.
1: Yeah, but even like yesterday, now, I don't know. She was probably meaning to be well. Don't get me wrong. But my mother sent me a video of the last guy to finish the London Marathon getting a big applause. And she sent me that out of the blue. And I was like, really good to know you believe in me. Much- for- <laughs> reach for the stars, son. <laughs> she literally sent me that and I was like, thanks i think like i don't know is this is this like uh i don't know what to say but it's good that she believes in her son which is nice but uh yeah so uh i suppose a trepidatious week i don't even know if that's the right adjective but uh, i'm using it because it sounds really
2: good
0: what about you tom what have you been up to
2: well last week i ghosted this podcast <laughs> because i was uh, coming back up from west cork where i was topping up on my corkness and I was joking when I came back. Now, it was a long trip back um, to my neighbor saying, oh, I'm just trying to get, you know, the, the little girl trying to get her a, a cork accent, get her a head start in it. And uh, she was like, but you don't even have a cork accent. And I was like, oh, shook to the core. It's like, I do have a cork accent. But apparently I've asked around and some people were like, we didn't really know where you were from based on your accent. And I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of part of my brand as being from Cork and it's not, like not anymore <laughs> not anymore apparently it's not hitting not hitting the demographics but yeah I was back down in West Cork last week um, going around to all the beaches going around to all the uh, food fairs just being obnoxiously from West Cork reveling in it uh, eating jams and kind of going mm, apricot nice because that's what it is on a West Cork you either have like headbangers who like you look at them and think you've genuinely probably killed maybe two or three people or artisan food makers. And there's only two types of people. <laughs> You're either a total headbanger or an artisan food maker. <laughs> and uh, we got to experience all of that down there. So it was good. Good good to be back down in, um, in West Cork for the first time in a while. And um, yeah, stayed in Inchidani, Lodge and Spa. <laughs> it's like, I'm a fancy guy. I'm a fancy guy. And uh, took my little girl for a swim in the pool it's a saltwater pool let's just say she did not take to swimming very well just (laughs) just like daddy (laughs) we need to work on that (laughs) we brought her in and um you know you you can't see this because this is a not a video podcast but she just had this look on her face a bit like this the entire time just kind of like mild shock as in what's happening where Mm -hmm. am i (laughs) For anyone What's listening, going
1: on? It, it looks like the first time you've uh,
2: you've been told how long a marathon actually is, and that you have to go do it. That's exactly how <laughs> <Yeah>. she looked, <laughs> and just kind of bouncing around. And like there was a woman who was next to next to us. We were kind of you know myself and my girlfriend were just kind of you know bouncing around in the pool and so on. It's easy when it's salt water, by the way. You don't even have to. There's no effort involved. And there was a woman. Uh, in the pool as well and she was just like oh you know she looks lovely all this other kind of stuff and I was she was just like oh well very fancy for her to have her first swim in Chidani I'm just like girl you're here too <laughs> What are you talking about fanciness <laughs> you're in the same hotel we are um, but yeah no it was lovely and um, yeah enjoyed it and uh, hopefully my, I'm going to try and cork up my, my, my West Cork accent but you know what I'm going to do I'm going to try and do a French accent for the, the segment for the preview uh, for the Toulouse game just edit this bit out so when people hear it later on they'll be just like what's happening but yeah that's what I'm planning later on but yeah no good week good week quite week but good
0: My news nice, this week nice, is... nice,
2: actually nice nice polo Owen by the way
0: thank you I said I was going to drag it out I said it in the in the WhatsApp group earlier on
2: I was like he has that
1: yeah <laughs> At Toulouse circa 2004
2: I
0: yeah it's somewhere around 2003 2004 I think yeah Polo. Oh it's uh it got dragged out and dusted down why yes, what what like, are
1: you what are you trying to tell us here
0: oh uh, i was like, just i was in i was in france last week sort of oh it's week, that's it. yeah yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah how, it just,
2: i just loves french culture
1: how was your week this <laughs> yeah. week going did did it reach the heights of having a, a Pano chocolat while looking at the la défense arena la défense I don't know what it's no, called. No, it no, that, that fancy not That fancy one in Paris. <laughs> uh,
0: no, this week um, very boring. Today, <laughs> I don't know if you a, started
1: that. Growth. You just went, nope,
0: <laughs> nope, nope. This Week was shit. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> it was shit. It was no very boring week. Um, highlighted my week today. I had a what you call it, a, a chicken tikka wrap. And it is, I'm getting very old now because it's been repeating on me all day. Every time, every few minutes, I have a little burp. And you can just oh,
1: Jesus, I'll be tasting that all the week. Oh, I wish yes. this was a in-person podcast.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Where'd you get that
2: chicken <laughs> tikka wrap?
0: It was in the the local deli. Uh,
2: it's always risky, I think, getting anything with chicken tikka in a spar or a centra. Yeah. I don't like I chicken tikka. I wouldn't chance it. do like wouldn't it. chance it.
0: I, I like t- chicken tikka now. I don't have it that often, but yeah. And I'm getting, like, my, my my grandmother. It's like, you know, that's peating on me a bit too much now. I won't be able to have that again.
2: I've, because, like, over the last couple of, of, of weeks, um, I've decided I'm going to try and lose a bit of weight. And I'm not sure if I said it to you. I'm trying to do it. Um, but this morning, I figured, hey, look, do you know what? I have been really good, so I'm going to get a nice roll in the deli. And I don't like loads of stuff in my breakfast roll. I, like, I just like to have one thing in my breakfast roll. The idea of having, like... You know hash brown, and I've seen people put beans in there. Degenerates. So what I like to do is just have one thing. Okay, is to have sausages. I just go. Can it's I just, get a can I get a roll, a, please? It's just a sausage roll with just sausages in it, please. <laughs> can I get breakfast roll with just sausages and um, no ketchup, just butter? It's like grand. Now there's a place where I go to. I won't name them because they're typically very good, but I got um my my sausage roll and. I was really excited about getting this. sat into the car, and um it was just straight away, I knew this is not good. these sausages are not good, <laughs> and um, I've been feeling a bit iffy all day, so if I dash out of the room, you know why
1: so you knew the sausages weren't good, yet,
2: I finished it you still yeah. you' still, <laughs> you. still <laughs> Pro- is. proceeded remember i'm I'm still <laughs> poverty coded, okay. So if I buy something that's over €4, euro, I'm eating it. If a fucking bird's shitting it, i would eat it. <laughs> so there's not a chance I'm not finishing that. Um, But yeah, I'm kind of been regretting it all day. stomach has been doing, you know, handstands and not great. But we struggled through. We struggled through.
0: Right. We- let's uh, get into a bit of rugby then. Uh, we'll start off with the first game from last weekend. Ulster against Edinburgh. Ulster won 28-14. Which uh, saw Ulster get through and finish second in the table. Um, solid win for Ulster, but uh, Edinburgh didn't look great shapes. I thought. Um, they struggled playing
2: to the quality that they that they have in their team.
0: No, I thought. Um, what is it? uh, Blair Kinghorn uh, struggled badly, and at vital times, Edinburgh just knocked it on, or coughed it up, or did something stupid cost themselves the chance of winning this. I think they, they, they had the opportunities, but could just couldn't convert.
1: I think that sums it up pretty much from an Edinburgh perspective. Like they weren't terrible. It's just their, like the, the last part let them down a lot. And kind of that's what went wrong. I remember watching it there Friday night and I was just kind of like, this is a very, how would you say, a very business like game. Like you're just kind of watching it, and you're like, it, "It was. It was kind of hard to get into." I suppose if you were a, an Ulster fan, you were probably well into it. Like, but I think for the neutrals, it was just very much like, "We're going to score four tries and win. That's it." You know, the two penalties either side of half time for Cooney were were, were quite big, and probably swung that game um away from a questionable game to this is going to be Ulsters. But um, other than that, it was kind of like. There was no real doubt that Ulster were going to lose, and it just—it felt like kind of one of those games where after eighty minutes you're like, yeah, it was grand. Like there was no real spark, but it wasn't shit. Do you know, like I find it hard to describe. It was
2: vanilla. Yeah, I thought, no, I think yeah, no. I I I watched a bit of this game, and I was just kind of the same as yourself there now, just a little bit kind of bored. There was never there was no real jeopardy. I never felt at any point that. Ulster were in danger of losing this. I think what they've turned around their season quite well by just being very just settled in how they play. They don't seem to have too many holes or dramatic imbalances in their game at the moment. And They seem a bit better off for it. I do worry about their ability to kick up a gear in the playoffs, but they may not be required to do so until they get to a final, I think. So yeah, I know it's going to be interesting to see, but I, I, I'm just I'm constantly disappointed with with Edinburgh. I think it feels like they started really well. They, in the poor, league this they had year. a poor season though, overall. Overall, no, because yeah. I think I remember thinking like, Jesus, they've started really well because, like, on paper they've a fabulous team. But yeah, no, it just seems that the wheels have come off. And who's coaching them next year? Your man's stepping
1: down, My stepping Mike Blair stepping down. Mike Blair's stepping down. I don't have. Have they made an um, announcement? Wasn't. Uh... Oh, they have. I
2: can't think of who it was, though. Oh, his name's um, tipped my tongue. Steve Diamond, is is, is he he's he's consulting there? Yeah, con- currently, yeah. But I, he's not signed on for next year, is he? I don't think so. But look, it, I look at the talent they have available. Like, I mean, you know, Dujan Van der Merwe, Blair Kinghorn, I think he's a great player. Not a 10, but I think he's a great player. Um, Good midfield, good pack. Got some good players there. Um, Ben, Healy, just ben Healy next year. Ben Healy will do very well there. I think it won't be long at all until he's starting for them. It um, is
0: Steve Diamond who's the the head coach.
2: Is it? Yeah.
1: For next year. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay.
2: Jesus. <laughs> I was thinking somewhere way off then. Um Yeah, no, it's um no like I think that in in theory there's a very, very good team there. Um, but yeah, look, they're not playing anywhere near their level, I don't think. You look at you know, like the Buffelli and all those other guys, top players. But um, yeah, no, I think looking at Ulster I think it's just a kind of one of those routine wins that they've kind of turned their season around off the back of so second more than good enough I think for their season they've done even with the dip they they more than deserve that yeah 100%
1: and like actually when we were only talking there last week like every team Bar Leinster had a dip at some point and they still finished top seven but in the midst of that dip midst is a hard word to say but during that dip you wouldn't have looked at Ulster and said, they'll finish second. Like you, you would have been like, they'll play, they'll get, you know, qualifiers, but they won't finish seventh or second. Um, So like fair juice to them. But yeah, that, that win, it just failed to inspire. But again, we said that last week on as well, this game was never about entertaining anyone. This game was get four tries, get a win. Home semi final if they get that far that's all that game was about like and they crossed the, what can I say they crossed the t's dotted the i's did the business and uh, they've they've uh they've they've done it like they finished second which is hugely commendable
0: for Ulster the one worry I would have is that they they had the dip around Christmas and New Year they I think as Tom said they have probably simplified things and come back to where they are. But they haven't got back to where they've been able to add, I think, a sort of a cohesive or fluent backline like they had previously towards the start of this season and certainly last season. You haven't seen the same from sort of James Hume or Lowry or things like this. And I think that's been reflected in the Ireland squads and the Ireland teams. They're, They're not pushing for it. You're not seeing that link between the forward play. Because Ulster play so heavily off nine, you're not seeing the the likes of Lowry and these guys get their chance at the moment. And I think particularly for me, the biggest change that I've seen is in the transition game that Ulster are playing. They're no longer looking for those counterattacks. To me, they they're they seem much happier to sort of truck it up, take the rook, look for the kicking game, come back in, play the heavy forwards off it where they can. And they haven't gone back to that. Now, I think, as Tom said, some of that could be down to the way they wanted to maybe narrow their attack and get get back and find form. But I think if they're going to look to win silverware, they're going to have to do something and get, get more of a, a sort of a cohesive attack plan back in.
2: Difficult to do at this stage.
0: Yeah.
2: I would say. But like, when, when Ulster are at their best, I think they just, they're able to roll across your your defensive line and they pick out a mistake. And once they start mauling, like try most of the time you know these tap-in mall tries i was thinking about it today i was talking to a friend of mine um and we were looking about you know about hookers about the number of tries they score and he said well you know that's more a reflection of the pack really rather than the hooker itself because the hooker just sort of like trucks away at the back of the mall and just like falls falls over (laughs) and it's like you look at the number of you can tell a team who's got a big big mall focus by looking at who their top scorer is and you look at Ulster, Tom Stewart, what a season he's had. But their mall is is a weapon and like when they're on and it's working, they're very tough to live with. But the teams who stop Ulster in the mall A,
1: a caveat a caveat on that. Like you can tell what kind of team they are by their top scorer. Like if Dan Sheehan's your top scorer though, he's busy chipping and chasing through and you know creating like i just just a little caveat well, there but
0: i suppose the, the offset of that is you can afford to leave him out there because he's not necessarily needed in tight exchanges because you have the dominance there
2: already yeah um well, okay i
1: I'd I, I nothing else to say on that I've,
2: oh, i'm 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 all ulstered
1: out <laughs> 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 that's enough kind words for now
0: We'll move on then to um game from uh Bulls sixty two game of the 67. week. Game of the week. Uh, we're still waiting to hear from some of the uh some of the media accounts as which era this constitutes. and um, we need that defined now <laughs> because it was well defined last week versus the Lions, less so this week. Um, by the way.
2: I know they'll be listening to this, right? <laughs> There's been a lot of talk. I seem to have been a bit of a catalyst for conversation over the last couple of weeks where I was talking about hype on my Twitter account and all of a sudden it's all showing up on newsletters, articles, podcasts. Um, there's nothing wrong with hyping a player, right? My problem is, is that when you forget about the guy that you were hyping literally just three or four months ago and now you're hyping this guy in the same position that he's actually the next guy up, but never referenced the fella who was the next man up three or four months ago that's where my issue is when it comes to hype because it feels like guys are getting fucking humped and dumped here (laughs) where one second they're the top guy and they're going to be the heir to sexton's throne and then well no no it's actually this guy now and it's three or four months later and there's not one word of reference to the previous prediction that this actually is the guy that's my issue with the hype not that players are getting hype because look that happens but it's just that this is like Sam Prendergast is the guy who's being hyped at the moment. Previously, it was Ross Byrne. Before that, it was Kieran Frawley. That's all this season. Like that'll happen this season. I've no issue with hype. I think Hyper Bowl is a completely different thing,
1: though. Like saying True. like after his debut, his senior debut to say, well, he only has three caps fewer than Jack I was like, Crowley.
2: This is nonsense
1: you're kind of like oh, you're just ignoring a lot of yeah. a lot of facts there do you know and that, that for me is just kind of but this like is this is nonsense after a, a performance like he had the first week a hundred percent like we were lauding him there last week like he had a brilliant game he's a very good player there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying with that will he play for Ireland probably yeah like if everything continues the way it's you know, destined to or whatever—it's lined out to. Yeah, he will play with Ireland. There's no issue with saying that. But after his debut for club, to say, well, he only has three fewer international caps than someone else, and insinuating, well, he should be ahead of that guy as a result.
2: You're like, fuck, hang on here, it's no just rubbish, rubbish. Like, I was listening. I was I I read that. But I was sent a screenshot of that, and I was just like, I couldn't believe that was in an actual mainstream newspaper or whatever it was. Absolutely mad stuff. Like, Sam Prendergast is a good player. I watched that game back. I wasn't on last week. But, like, the Lions, worst South African franchise, they conceded 35 points to Zebra this weekend. He did really well, okay? Did less well this week. But you expect that from a 19-year-old. Oh, yeah. He needs two seats, or 20-year-old, whatever he is now. Um, He, for me, needs at least another two pre-seasons to get himself into proper shape, to be ready for this level of rugby consistently. The only World Cup, the only way he should be looking at the World Cup next year is if he's in the stands with a point in his hand. Um, he should not be going there. For me, a good season next year for Sam Prentice will be going to that junior World Championships in the summer, doing well there, getting a good pre-season under his belt for Leinster, getting 10 plus URC games, either starting or on the bench and look to try and can you work your way into a Heineken Cup 23 for one of those you know one of those dead rovers that Leinster play in and around December, January one of those games and that'd be a great season for him and see how he goes then to get another preseason in on top of that then the rush that people have for this guy to be coronated and well that's that we don't need to think about it anymore now because we have the guy right there I remember when it was Harry Byrne I remember when he was his apprenticeship was over after playing well against the fucking test window scarlet's team like this is kind of where we're at where all it takes is one decent performance against the worst of African team to now all of a sudden we're talking about this guy is and reborn. Mad. I think
1: this game this weekend, um, just watching it, I missed it live. I watched it back after. It felt like they weren't as physical and it felt like, do you ever kind of watch a game at 70% speed? Like, yeah. do, do you ever, like on, what is it, VL or or whatever it's called. Yeah, that. VLC. Yeah, like you slow down the speed just to, to watch maybe a few collisions or to watch something that bit slower. It kind of felt like watching Leinster at that, and there was some very, like, um leinster like mistakes. Like, there was one for one try where it was a break from the scrum half and Turner just shot out of the line, and the nine just strayed into that gap. Like, um just little things like that that were very unminster like but i mean i mean we talked about it there 2 weeks ago it's a huge learning curve for a lot of those guys to suddenly go to that altitude play in south africa play these size guys um like it's a big game for a lot of them they would have learned a lot it was probably the toughest um how would you say probably physically the toughest game a lot of them have played so far and you learn from it, like. And I, th- I think they'll watch it back. They'll be disappointed, obviously, with the scoreline. Um, I think people. Well, I said I saw Leinster winning there last week just because it was Leinster. Was I wrong or was I wrong? Um, but.
0: You, uh, i just point out at this this stage, I I called
1: it. Okay, congratulations! You've you've got one game over me in the last ten weeks. um What was it? What did what
2: did you say on? I didn't listen to the podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I correctly called the Bulls to win this one. Yeah. Oh, so, okay.
2: yeah. Very good. I would have said the Bulls as well, by the way.
0: Yeah.
2: You said he that trail. Can we, that you, we knew that. can we get that retroactively? Can we get that retroactively? Yeah. I would have said that. Well, Bulls. No, no,
0: to be fair, we actually did say that you would uh, know we, know we, did, we did, yeah. We you
2: picked you for Lens, the Bulls. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: No, um, I would have. But they would have washed it back, t- taking the learnings, you know, been told, like, you know, take the learnings. It's done now. Move on. I don't think anybody expected them to lose that badly. But if you're going to lose. You know, one game in a season, you might as well go
2: all out, you know, and lose lose it spectacularly, you know. Like, I, I, I don't think anybody's going to be like, you know, Leinster are washed <laughs> off the back of this. I don't, you know, obviously not. But like, it's on the one hand, you would look at kind of rugby reality to a certain extent, where I think people just expect any Leinster team to show up and beat whoever they're playing. But there's a limit to what you can do with that. You know, I'd say the Bulls in Pretoria um, are probably, you know, a big exception to that. You know, I think it's good for the league, first of all. um, But, you know, I think that was a team, not like good young players there, but young players. And they were up against a very big, very physical Bulls team who, like I said, are very big, very physical. And they were jogging through Leinster defensively. You know, they could truck off nine win collisions, any team will lose and concede tries when they're conceding at those type of collisions. So it like, it, it's like, it's a bit of rugby reality where if you can dominate them physically, you can beat any team. Um, but, you know, there's lots of good young players there who I feel will have fabulous Leinster and Irish careers. But this, I think, is just a bit of a, an odd one because the score was very lopsided.
1: Bulls, um, were, all, Bulls were also playing for a lot, like. They were they were they were, yeah. they were playing to climb spots and to make sure they were getting Champions Cup rugby etc.
2: Whereas Leinster were testing guys. The thing testing. is with the Bulls, like you, do you know the Bulls will just shit house forever about this, which is just is great as well. Also, I must and I enjoy their commitment to the bit.
0: I mean, Did the you know? Bulls had a had a as you said big team out, but it exposed Leinster and the squad that they sent down on a couple of points. Number one is the Bulls dominated them physically. You could see without the likes of Ruddock and Jenkins and those put in there to help them out, The uh, Leinster struggled, number one, physically. they The Bulls absolutely just dominated the, the game line. Leinster lost their set-piece platform. They no-line out, Scrum struggled. And then I thought the Bulls really targeted the Leinster halfbacks in defence. They ran through Prendergast and McCarthy, anywhere along the fringes, completely, and just bust them open. And it exposed Leinster's game plan, because Leinster's game plan doesn't involve going in and jacking. And when a big team like the Bulls get gain-line collision and decide nah, fuck this, I'm going to keep the ball and keep running at you, Leinster struggle, particularly when when the opposition is getting over the game line And the Bulls, when they made those breaks they just kept punishing and kept going and um, one of the things that i did see and i thought it was a maybe a, a thing sort of uniquely to, to weigh me the way the bulls did it from the bulls when they were um box kicking for contestables most teams tend to go infield slightly and kick towards the touchline the bulls were happy to kick infield and they expose Nick McCarthy because Nick McCarthy at scrum half was dropping back. And Leinster do this an awful lot with their with their scrum halves. They drop the scrum half back and he catches the ball. And it seemed to me that the Leinster blockers were trying to run the the route parallel to the to the touchline. Whereas McCarthy was actually having to come in the field fifteen, twenty yards to get the ball. And then he was being exposed by the chasers on the sort of the opposite side that you'd expect the runners and chasers to go and they were able to turn them over quite a bit. And I thought it was very clever from the Bulls. I'd be interested to see whether to lose pick up on that and try and do something with it this weekend. we can talk about that later. But the, the only other thing that I'll say about this this lens thing is to me the optics look bad because not number one, because you have the scoreboard, right? Number two, you've you've earned the right to send a development team down there and do it. But the thing that looks bad is you've taken the coaches and you've taken some of the senior players home midway through the tour. You've taken the likes of Jenkins, Colin, and um, all these guys uh, have come back, um, and you've left Sean O'Brien out there to manage this. You've effectively thrown them to the lions, and they've they've been absolutely eaten alive there. Now, I, I found say, that a bit.
2: I found that a bit odd, to be honest. They, I know why they did it. Um, but it's it wasn't so long ago that the likes of Montpellier and Gloucester were being hauled over the coals for sending over, you know, the fucking under sixteen team and the mascot over yes, to, to play. Yeah. You know, so like it, it. I think it, I think everybody has those blind spots, you know, where it's okay once we do it. I know, I know, I do that, so I can accept it. But yeah, no, it's just like I think Leinster won't think a second more about that scoreline, really. Um, the important game for them is this week, um. But like, for me, then that kind of goes with the young lads that are there. Like, where I think everybody can accept that. Look, Blenster's focus is to lose, and um, that anybody who was playing in this game was likely not going to be involved one way or the other. Um, but to me, then that's a bit like you're kind of, again, like you said, they're like, you know, cutting these fellas off, like it's like a separate entity, like, which I know it isn't, but like that's it, it, this is before the result even where, I, I, for me, the coaches should stay out there, you know, that's for me, that, that, that's what they should do. But like... I didn't, I didn't know so I had, anybody went home. Yeah, they headed away. They headed away earlier in the week. And it's like, do you know, like, stay out there with them, like, take the heat for the result as well at the same time. Do you know, like, when you're sending out you know, Sean O'Brien or whoever it was talking about it afterwards. For me, I would like to see the head coach there looking after these guys because they're your guys too. Um, it, for me, puts a little bit too much focus on the big team. You know, for me, that, that, that would be my opinion it,
0: on it. it. It creates, it potentially creates an us and them. Is it, is it like, here's your pity caps just to give you game time at the end of the season, we've been able to do it the last couple of times. In, in this instance, if you win and you get a good result, It's brilliant. It's seen as here we are developing players and we're developing coaches. You lose by this much, it's the flip side of it. And you 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 get the negative. And I think, you know, the other thing is that is it though. Like like
1: it's like a player trying something on a pitch if it comes off here, or if it doesn't, like what are you doing? And I think like that, if Leinster did let's say did win or drew, let's say, or even lost by a couple of points, and you had Sean O'Brien, like I didn't know any coaches went home, etc. Like um I don't know, I must have been living under a rock or something rather than just keeping up with it. But like, if they had one or something like that, you're in a position where you're saying, well, we've trusted our coaches implicitly to carry this out. Like, there's still that that chance that it, like, I don't know, just because you fail, is it the wrong thing?
2: I think is what I'm trying to say.
1: For me, I just think even
2: it was a little bit too clever, you know, like trying to be a little bit too shrewd. You know I, know, I know, Like there's all this stuff about that Leinster can never make a bad move. You hear it all the time. You know, you no. Know? But I felt that this was something that, at the time, for me didn't look great. And after the result, then I suppose it changes. But the outcome, you know, just kind of goes. You know, I'd like to see that guy. You know, the the O'Colin or whatever else. You know, one of the senior coaches, come on out after the game, and you know, the same way you would for the main Leinster team because that's what this seems to be like that there's the main answer team and then there's these guys um which is fine but i just I, I felt it didn't look great personally my 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 read on that was like do you know what i'd have liked to see him come out after that game because leinster win almost every single game do you know um but actually did you hear the, the press conference that he did this week
0: yeah i part of me is golden is is he rattled or is this a Gatlin move and take all the pressure off the team for the week coming up?
2: I don't know, It was a weird one. We'll speak, we'll speak about this, I suppose, with the Toulouse one. But yeah, no, I think, look, a big learning experience for a lot of those young players. Um, they'll have not seen a lot of those guys I think have played AIL this year. They will not have played against a team as physical as that. Um, with the altitude as well. Like, I mean, good God. Like some of those Bulls players, like whatever, but their overall, the quality of their framework or whatever else they are massive men and um yeah they learn a lot from it i would say or or else they'll learn that the lads who aren't going to make it won't learn anything from it so it'll be useful either way i would say
0: perfect and that leaves leinster finish uh top already guaranteed and they'll face the sharks at home in the quarter final next game up was the draw between the sharks and munster 22-0 and in the the evening (laughs) <laughs> the main event Munster finished fifth and guaranteed their uh, Champions Cup I will start this off by saying um, I I called it as the game was going on and live I thought they should have gone for the Mikey drop goal yeah at the end
2: I think with the underfoot <clears throat> the quality of the pitch which looked like they fucking spray painted some sand green um, it would have been a risky enough play to go for but um, a really tough game like the emotional swings you have with this team are colossal because <laughs> like at halftime, I wrote before the game that what Munster need to do is to avoid letting the Sharks scrum and maul into the game and in the first 10 minutes they did just that repeatedly <laughs> and found themselves down on the scoreboard Um but when I look at the reaction, second half, um, just shows a lot of good things about this team that I think are, you know, whether they'll go on a playoff run, win a trophy this year, you know, who knows. But I think it bodes well for this group going forward next season, season after, because this is a tough place to go. I know the Sharks have limitations and they had injuries too, but... I think it shows a lot of good things about this team, I think, overall. And some of the things that need to be worked on also.
1: I missed this game live um because I was away Saturday, but on the on my Discord there somebody was like um you know telling me the score. Was it twenty one three or something like 20, 20, that? 19, it was twenty 19,
2: two 19, three. It was three after forty five minutes.
1: Yeah, that was it. So they were like, it's twenty two three. And I was like, Oh, to us? And he was like, no, and I was like, oh, and I was like, again, I, I wasn't watching it. Like, And then I got an update and it was 22 all. And I was like, hang on, what? <laughs> Where is the closest television? Um, and I ended up seeing maybe the last, I don't know, 45 seconds of the game, maybe. But um, I actually haven't had the chance to watch it back either. I just saw, what have I seen? I saw Calvin Nash's score. Um, oh, really? Lovely finish. Really good finish. Well within the laws as well, which is a point of so attention. Busting I out feel. of the Premier. They're fucking yeah. yellow circles. Yeah, um, well within the laws. Um, so don't know what else to say about that, but fabulous finish. Um, so that's all I've seen, really, to be honest with you, as bad as that sounds. So I'm in no, no big, place to
2: talk about this. Big moments in the game, when it came down to it. Like Finney really steele was like Billy Holland versus Exeter. Tier stuff, you know, the pressure that was on Monster coming into this game, <laughs> like hard to believe, really. Um, Monster needed one point out of this game, and that looked incredibly unlikely with the vast majority that were the majority of the game out of the way. You know, thirty-five minutes left. Um, Monster were facing an uphill struggle to even get back within seven. Um, and to then be a an inch away from from winning. Um. I think it shows, like I said, a development because I think we've spoken on this podcast that they bottled that opening half against Glasgow, in my opinion. Um, they did not bottle this game. Far from it, actually, they came out and were physical. The breakdown work was very sharp, very physical. Once the, the passes and the phases started to stick, the Sharks started to tire, all of a sudden the gaps that Munster would have schemed were opening up I think as well it got a little bit less humid also as the game went on because it was heading in further into the evening so Munster started to you know be a little fresher um, had more energy in the tank they certainly looked fitter and more active and, and lively than the Sharks as the, as the game went on um, but yeah lots of really good stand up performances and like from the likes of Calvin Nash Finney Witcher, he did a great game Stephen Archer Stephen a, Archer
0: can I just say this we need to get Stephen Archer and you need to warm him up beforehand. And I don't mean run him around. I mean you need to get the temperature in the stadium above us, about twenty to twenty-five sun, degrees sun and land. then he would play.
2: Get him into like, get him into like one of those sweatsuits. <laughs> and just let him out there. <laughs> yeah. Um he was outstanding. Look, he got fucked around a bit in the scrum with Oxen Che, but he's not the first, won't be the last to get fucked around by him. What a game he had. What is like what last two games he's had? 80 minutes. Against some of the biggest fucking human beings you've ever seen in your life.
0: <laughs> also he's, big from uh, Barron. Well, Barron been... had a great game.
2: Really did. Yeah, he's really kind of. he's, it seems had a good like he's stepped up a level. Yeah, a
1: really good season. Yeah, um, well, no, John no, Cleese, um, a hero. just uh, how
0: he's kept going all season like that, consistently to such a high standard. John kind of, of bothers
2: them? me at this stage. People are going, "Oh, he should be playing for Ireland." That's not happening for whatever reason. So just enjoy that guy in a Monster Jersey putting out top performances 16, like over the last couple of weeks. Sixteen starts in a row
1: in Unreal. the second in the second row. I'd be in a full body cast <laughs> being rolled around. I'd be like that after I, the first one, let alone fucking
2: like sixteen. Like, I'd be I'd be deceased if you're looking at the like the, the first number of like the first couple of collisions he has in any game. Like I'd be running into one of them and all of a sudden I'm up at the pearly gates kind of going, how the hell did that? what's going on? I'm not, I'm not talking about John Klein here, like
1: in like just him. But when I watch games sometimes, especially the more physical ones, like I often find myself thinking of, let's say stories you read in autobiographies about guys the next morning having to go down the stairs in their bum or they struggle to walk upstairs. They have to go like one step at a time as in one foot, second foot, one foot, second foot. And like, just thinking about how physical a game it is, but then when you put that into context, like I know we're joking there about full body cast, et cetera, like, like I would be dead, but when you read these stories, et cetera, and then have someone start that many games in a row in the second row, like probably the most physical up there where i don't know front row it's, second row it's a lot One of demands lot, yeah of physical like demands. physically demanding it's huge like that toll is incredible like oh it, yeah he, he must be exhausted
2: and yeah but he's just
1: I, but a lot, I, my point is like i think a lot of people approach it like and i'm guilty of this as well like we watch it like it's playstation like yeah we, we turn off the game we don't see yeah. fellas trying to take tape off in the shower and sitting there in their seat for 45 minutes because they, they don't have the energy to move. Like, like we don't see that side of it. And we often think of it like, you know, a game's over. We knock that off. I'll see him play now next week again and watch him go through all this shit again, but it's okay because he's a professional rugby player. He's used to it. Like it I, like the, the physical stress I imagine must be so tolling at the same time though, to go through. Oh, and I'm not just, again, I'm not talking about him any player who is playing for any team like that consecutively and does the stuff he does for any of them, it
2: must be just incredibly tough. I, I'm not sure if you're listening, you're listening to this. Maybe you've heard me say it before. I am listening to this. I I edit, I'm talking to the the listener. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I was like, I do listen. (laughs) I was going to say you edit. I don't edit. I edit highlights for the IRFU for the AIL. Right, and this weekend I was editing Jeff Neville, who was commentating. That's me. The, yeah, yeah, on ter- for versus uh, Carcon, and like normally we're editing off the you know the the analyst's video that they'll just record on top of it. Th- but for this game, we had you know proper camera set up, the whole lot, and proper mics, and like Division One A, good standard, but like still would be a level below URC from a physical perspective, just talking about from there, the impacts that you could hear. Insane. At the, the For a Terranior versus Carcon were fucking violent. <laughs> and it's like, playing against the likes of the Sharks is another few levels up again. Then you've got test level, which is another few up, levels up again. You have such an appreciation for the physicality and the, the physical duress these guys go through with just go to see an AIL game. Like the impacts that are there are frightening, and it's another level again at, at provincial level or whatever. But yeah, it's mad. It's just like John Klein is like a real cult hero figure from one start to stage. I feel because like constantly asked about him. He's yep. just such a popular guy. Just on uh,
1: that your game as well, the tight and the physical demands, etc. The tight head for Terranure, Adam Chute, just to give him a shout out because it is very deserving. Has started all 18 games up to that semi-final and he started that semi-final as well now that's some going as well so yeah no, i'm so sure that's, I'm, that's hard I'm, going i'm sure he listens so i just felt <laughs> it was deserving of a little shout out there
2: because and a tight head prop to do that credit and it kind you. of it kind of puts steven archer's performances into context also oh hugely you know, yeah huge like, you know 160 160 minutes down south africa no joke, not against the two best sides down there. Really, really good. Um, overall, very impressive. I think that, do you know, I'm not sure if we were talking about what would be a good return from Munster coming back from South Africa. But seven points, I think, is more than any of us would what have ten, talked what about. What I mean, seven. and it could have been 10.
1: <laughs> I think. I think we were talking yeah. about how Roundtree was probably weirdly looking forward to that challenge to see, you know, what he has. And suddenly, he he's not only seen what he has, but he has to be impressed with what he has. Like you know, and I'm sure he was up to that point. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying up to then he was like everybody's shit. But now you're now you're good. Like what I'm saying is like you. They needed seven points to be guaranteed Champions Cup rugby. The second game, you're twenty two three down, and you dug it out to get that seven points. Like that's
2: find out what you're about. Proper there. stuff, yeah. you know, you find out yeah. what you're about and what, what lads are about. And like, I think that's how difficult the season was at the start. Um, they were all backs against the wall going down there. Um, a lot more than just rugby points on the line. And they pulled it out, which again wasn't perfect, you know, the first half was poor, but they fucking kept playing and had I think could have easily won. And um, yeah. I think this game is another. Further example of Scrum doesn't matter The
0: My <laughs> highlight of the game Was um <clears throat> What's called The Shemazzle In front of the Munster bench Ah, uh, yeah. With uh, yeah. oh, Peter yeah. P- P- Romani And Ferdinand And then in the background Did you see it?
2: oxen and oh, going over And just, just them them over. <laughs> <laughs> That up RG Ox, Ox
0: and RG <laughs> and cool Fist bump And letting all the lads Have the scrap in front of him It was
2: just I, I Some of the reactions to that were Matt, like to me now, like I scraps like that. I pay very close attention to like, I find those scraps or those little shamazles very interesting. Who's scrapping? Who's not, who's getting stuck in for their teammates. Who's not. I, I love watching those. Cause you can find out where fellas are at. <laughs> Myself and my cousin those. used to play on the same team.
1: And uh, this is junior rugby, like in New York city. And, Was one day like it all kicked off? Like, I can't remember what happened or who was involved, blah blah blah, but it all kicked off. We're talking all 28 paymakers, uppercuts, (laughs) and I say 28 people because we had this game taped. And when it all kicked off in the background, you can just see me and my cousin watching, and then we just both sit on the ground. just watch it all kick off from the other side you were
2: doing battle we were just like nah man i'm not no i have no interest in this now yeah i look i look at that and i see who scrapped so if i was looking at that video it's like those two fucking lads over there what the fuck are they doing
1: you were my coach i wouldn't be getting played the next week
2: so like i I look at lads and i was like who's getting stuck in here and once again it happened against the stormers and it where a South African franchise made a very poor mistake in getting Peter Romani riled up and into a game. It's a big mistake. Why do they do it? <laughs> I have no idea. But yeah, I, I like Monster's reaction. Uh, Like the so Jeremy Lockman, Antoine Frisch getting stuck in. Peter Romani, like he got a yellow card, right? But I would take that yellow card all day, every day. Because he is over there, over one of their biggest, over one of their biggest guys, over him on the floor. Your man's laughing up. It's like... That's a nervous laugh you have on you there, boy. So I like that with Peter Romani getting that yellow card for that. Um, I think that got, that lets the team know you're there willing to fucking scrap for him. And I think Munster were better for having that scrap in the aftermath. I think that they can be actually very useful because when you have a scrap like that, you can see who's there to play rugby and who's there to fight. And whoever's there to fight will win. Or in this case, almost win. Not lose. <laughs> Just on the call in the game, I called Munster,
1: Own you didn't. Yeah, but Munster, I would have called. I would have. Called, oh, yeah. But monster got two points, so, so I, I would have, I would have said a draw. I'd say technically, what <laughs> <technically, laughs> so it technically. Look at this.
0: He has to try claim everything here. Now it's like yeah, Ulster didn't win in South Africa, but technically they did. You're
1: either playing to win or you're not playing at
0: all. <laughs> you're claiming more victories again, are you? <laughs>
1: I'm just saying you're either playing to win or you're not playing at all. Um, And I got two points there. So I'll claim a little 0.5, but I won't need it. But I'm just, I actually don't know what score is. You could be ahead. I'm just talking shit.
2: I know I'm not anyway, for sure. That's all we know. That's all we know for definite. That's all we know for sure. Yeah. My Um, constant shit housing and wrongness has left me (laughs) well behind.
0: Yeah, your your decision to back against Leinster is not not sitting well <laughs> in the points
2: table at the moment. So it hasn't worked
1: out. Seventeen points. <laughs> Shit.
2: If one, I, if one, I just backed the blue before, then I could be winning.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, that's uh, that draw uh, as I said guarantees monster uh, Champions Cup uh, next season, and they face Glasgow away in the quarter final. Moving on then to Glasgow uh, uh, against Connacht. From last week, uh, Connor pushed them close. It was uh, Glasgow 29, Connor 27, Um, leaves Connor in seventh place overall. They're potentially still in the Champions Cup thing, uh, Champions Cups for next season as it stands, unless uh, Scarlet or Benetton. It, Benetton win the um, Challenge Cup or Sharks. Win the URC.
1: And it's yeah. funny because um, I was only thinking that there today. Um, last week, you know, Connor like we need to hammer Glasgow or we need to beat Glasgow, blah blah blah. And then now this weekend they're like, "Come on, Glasgow! Let's go, Glasgow!
2: <laughs> Let's go, Glasgow!" <laughs> Glasgow's biggest fans all of a sudden. <laughs> or you,
0: can, or you can go with Toulon
2: either, doesn't matter. Yeah, but you know yeah, what? But Toulon, for Toulon.
1: Toulon could play scarlets in the final. And then yeah. they're still, you know, if Scarlets win, they're gone as well. Like, so, I mean, oh, yeah. ultimately, able to just get your business done this weekend, if possible, by rooting hard,
2: giving your energy to Glasgow. Yeah.
1: Big, big Glasgow, Tulan energy this weekend. Um Just in case you're wondering, Toulon versus Benetton, uh, Scarlets versus Glasgow. Scarlets and Benetton win the Challenge Cup. They take Connock's spot in the Champions Cup. That's So, probably. like, if both Scarlets probably, and probably Benetton should've... win weekend opened With that uh, Little tidbit Before We started talking but So yeah. Connacht
2: Can actually be In big trouble Of missing out On the Champions Cup
1: This if, weekend If Scarlet And Benetton Both win this weekend Connacht are 100% out of Champions Cup Next year
2: Yeah Unless the Sharks Go on a run Unless Oh no but, well, they're no, they're but not, even then Then, even they're, not, even then they're, they're gone, gone. Yeah. yeah then they're gone anyway yeah.
1: But then they'd want Sharks To go on a run Just to be spiteful about it And be like 6th <laughs> place You're out You're out Bulls We hate you <laughs> um so yeah so it's an in, it's still an interesting week weekend uh for comic fans in the challenge cup even though they're actually not in it so it's um no i, I wouldn't say in, well i don't know i would say nervy times like i think glasgow will win that challenge cup but i still wouldn't yeah. like to be in that position where i'm banking on other teams to do the no because like you, you could
2: see on. Just having one of those games where they, oh, yeah, hundred percent, where they blow Toulon out of it, yeah, and, and they've run like,
1: Toulon close in the past in Europe, yeah. like a couple of years ago as well, like so. And at the
2: moment, Glasgow Scarlets like they are both playing very well, and Scarlets, and so are, like,
1: yeah, Scarlets, like I know they didn't, they finished what somewhere in the bottom four, but they're starting to turn that
2: around, yeah. Um, the uh, yeah, but I, I thought uh, Connacht did really well up in Scottsdale. Uh, I thought that like they um, even with the guys they were missing thought they showed up they played very well. physically yeah Yeah, and it was just like looking at Glasgow It's just like okay because you kind of had a at, at that point you could kind of look at Glasgow and kind of going okay this is you know Connacht kind of pulled up to them here Um, but yeah no I think Glasgow's run to the end of the season has been really good as well that's a really creditable performance by Connacht I think overall who was that strong- who was that
1: massive ridiculous carry Someone latched on and they went like 20 John, yards. John forge, John Forch. What one? a carry. Yeah. yeah. I was only kind of half watching it because I was getting stuff done, but I remember looking up and I saw him enter contact and I was like, okay. And I kind of glanced down, and I glanced back up and he was 20 yards further. And I was like, is that the same contact? <laughs> <laughs> like, Wow, what a carry. <laughs> yeah, I think
2: end of the season has been really good though, hasn't it? Like Auburnage, the way they finished off yeah. the URC. Like I know they had a really tough start, but they've been they've been really good finishing off the last couple of games. And um I don't think they'll be too gutted. I know they wanted to win that game against Glasgow, but they were kind of undone a bit by the opening third of the season, I think. Again, for, I
1: I think you, you talk about Connacht's second half of the season. Yes, very good. The only blip for me is that uh Newcastle game. Yeah. That's yeah. the only blip for me. Like you like even that Glasgow game the weekend, they played very, very good rugby. They lost par for the course, you know, it happens. But that Newcastle game for me is still that little what if moment. I think I think they're better than Newcastle. Oh, I think for that, so too, you know, for yeah. That game, just yeah. to lose it the way they did. So, and if no. they were up against uh if they were up against Toulon this weekend, I'd back Connacht to be honest with you as well. Um, yeah, I so think the other games it's a bit of a
2: bit of a problem for Toulon actually. Yeah, but it's a, it's that's why I think Benetton are, are probably a bad matchup for them too. So nervy, nervy times because again with Connacht playing as well as they have been, to still not be to be to be looking for results elsewhere like it it is shit, and I think it's a reason why this fucking shield system needs to go. Yeah, like
1: yeah. A, a team finishing tenth shouldn't be no. in top eight. And like a team and I understand the challenge cup side of it, don't get me wrong. But ultimately, if it's a case that let's say Scarlet's get in as well, you know, of a team that finished tenth and a team that finished fourteenth in the regular season. Now again, that would the second would be through Challenge Cup. And you know, that is what it is. Like they've they've done well, they've won the Challenge Cup fine. But ultimately you're still looking at it and you're like, do they deserve to be in there? After finishing tenth and
2: fourteenth, like I know, I would say no. I think it'd be a better league without the shield system because, like I said, it does. Like at the moment, even you could say with the Scottish teams, like any team who plays Zebra twice, has at least a ten point advantage <laughs> over teams, or, or a five point advantage over teams. You know, oh it yeah, is... like no, like Zebra haven't
1: won a game, like they're. Points difference is shocking. Like they finished this, they finished this season with eleven points, and ultimately, like they're in a, a round robin with Benetton, Glasgow, and Edinburgh. And you're like that's that's thirty points. Like that's ten points ahead there. Like you know, so
2: yeah, there's a, I can't wait for the shield system to be gone next season. Though no, to be honest, personally, yeah, like because the, the way the qualification thing was just not like I mean. It is. It isn't. It isn't fair. I mean, you know. I know there's not much fair in pro sports, but like, I just think. I just feel it's like, it doesn't really reward merit. It's a bit of a handbrake on the teams who are trying to do well. So, take that. Take that shield With, system. Shield system. That's, what we, think. Welsh. That's what we think, for yeah. you.
1: <laughs>
0: okay then. Um, Connacht will go away to Ulster in the quarter final. Uh, moving on then to the Champions Cup semi-final. Um, Leinster played Toulouse on Saturday afternoon. Um we mentioned it earlier on. Leo Cullen had a a bit of a rant in the um in the press conference early this week. He, um I, like like uh, I missed that. Too. Uh,
2: I feel my friend Leo uh Leonardo Cullen, I feel he's how you say, rattled.
0: Well, it's a, it's either he's rattled or he's um as I said before, doing the whole Gatlin thing and taking the pressure off the players.
2: It sure does really, to be honest. There's been a lot of nonsense though around over the last couple of yeah. weeks about the home semi the home final and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, that is, mean, what is. Just, is what it is. It is what it is. You like pick you pick a you like... pick a home final, a stadium, that's it. Leinster yeah. have through the thing, they've got their home semis and their home quarters and their home whatever it was, around the sixteen. Is what it is. But you know? the fact
0: that he's continually having to answer these questions, I think, is beginning to irk him slightly. I think, he, I
1: think it's that, annoying him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. would great. I know he, for a fact it would great me. If I was yeah. in that position, I'd literally just be like, are "You, are you serious, man? Come on, <laughs> <But> <laughs> come on." Now, as like, as what, I said
0: previously, all he had to do <laughs> with the first time it comes out and goes, "Yes, we're extremely lucky to have all these brilliant private schools, and they help the yeah. resources, but we take them in and we finish off the articles and bring them through to what they are, yeah, and, and yeah, we look, do it, blah blah blah." It's we, done. We, it's dusted. He you yes. keep going on with the poor mouth, oh, oh, you know, it's all hard work and it's this and it's that. We pay a lot it's of money. It's going to keep coming back.
2: We pay a lot of money for our top players because they're top players and we want to keep them in Ireland. And isn't that a great thing? And we've developed them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But like, oh, there,
2: there was, like, there was I saw a, a, a quote, now I know quotes that can be pulled out of context, but this is the one where we was talked, asked about like the, the home quarter, the home semi-final. And he's just like, what even is a home semi-final? <laughs> it's like, okay we don't need to go there it's like it's like it, it it is an advantage but it doesn't mean like but it is just it is what it is like I just think there's been a lot of stuff about about the advantages Leinster have and it's like I can't understand why they're not just owning it just oh, being well, like let's move on um, it is what it is let's move on let's it is move what on. it is let's move on
1: um to lose uh, what are they going to have to do take a
2: shit out of Leinster yeah there yeah. we go <laughs> <laughs> um Physically This is going to be Test level shit I it's, think
1: It's it's proper It is proper You're dead right Like it is mm. test level stuff And um, when you look at both packs, When you look at both back lines Like this is going to be Class Like this is going to be One of the The games of the tournament I reckon Yeah and like it's, it's going, going to be, be I'm bi- So I'm, fucking physical I'm, I'm And Toulouse it have here, loaded for us as well But like I mean, I was also having this conversation today. I did a podcast with Unspotted Dove and uh, they asked, you know, because isn't there still a question mark around the likes of Baird and Josh Van der Fleer at the moment? Yeah. Um, And essentially what we kind of the reasoning we came up with like was, uh, yeah, obviously if you're missing the likes of Josh Van der Fleer or Ryan Baird, yeah, like you're missing very good players. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter who plays in that game. You just have to go do it. Like you have to get it done. You have to fill the role. You have to be physical. Like if Leinster lost that game, let's say Josh Van der Freer doesn't play, right? And Leinster lose. Nobody's gonna look at that and go, Well, Josh Van der Freer wasn't playing. That's not how it works at the pro well, level. Will. There's not yeah, but like <laughs> yeah, realistically. In, you know. But you know, like in, in in real land, you don't look at it and have a little star next to it and say, you know, a little star and underneath Josh van der Fleer absent, like it's mm-hmm. not how it works uh, in, in professional sport. Winning is winning, and that's it. Like, there's there's nothing else. So, like, it is proper test level stuff. Um, James Lowe,
2: there's a question mark, or is he out, or is there He's a question out. mark? He's, He's, out, out. Out. He's out, that's a big loss for them. Yeah, his so, kicking game is massive, it's a massive part of what Leinster do. Jimmy O'Brien starts, he'll start at 11, I would say. Yeah, I'd be shocked if he didn't. Yeah, same. Um, Larm- Larmore, for think. I, yeah, yeah, like because someone said to me, "Will
1: Larmor start?" And I was like, "Well, I, not Jimmy O'Brien, like hands down." Um, did
2: um, and I'd say they'll go Larmor at fourteen. They'll go yeah. Keenan fullback, Jimmy O'Brien at eleven. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he offers you a lot of similar stuff to to James Lowe. Not the same sort of physical impact, I would say. I think we're going to see a lot of, of skills. I think we're going to see a lot of kicking to Larmor. We are, maybe just a lot of kicking, full stop in this game. Oh, well, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think Toulouse course, will go in a, in a certain direction. Yeah, but I think that Toulouse will look at the mistakes that France made against more or less the same opposition, um, back in the Six Nations, and go, shit, we need to kick the ball more. We don't need to play too much against these guys. Um, and to, like as again with Toulouse last time out, they said themselves they came in and they were. They were not as fresh as maybe they could be. I know nobody is one hundred percent fresh at this time of year, but they rotated a lot of fellas last year, last week for this game, and I think that, like last time out, there was a ton of ball and play. Um, I think it was like forty something, forty plus minutes ball and play. And the week previous, they went extra time. And the week previous, so like they were, they did not look like to lose last week, and I know Leinster played incredibly well, but I think what to lose will look this week or this coming weekend is that. They will kick the fucking synthetic leather off the ball and look to try to off-ball Leinster. Leinster will then be trying to get their counter-transition kicking game going. With Lowe off the field, um, they're gonna be missing a guy. You can give them that range. And like, one thing with James Lowe, like is in his kicking game is elite, top, top drawer. Like, he's a fella who, if you saw him standing at 12 for most of the game we go, that's a that's an inside center who's got a really good boot in him. James Law is outstanding with his length with the length he has, with the accuracy, um, and being without him is a massive loss. And Jimmy O'Brien would have to come in and do what he's done so far in this season and last season, which is to just be a role copy for whoever he's stepping in for. And I think the low role is probably the most challenging one for him because he can do, you know, a lot of the bits and pieces, but the kicking game is going to be the big part. If he can match that, Leinster will go a long way to, you know, being Leinster in this game, which, you know, if, if they play to their best, I mean, I think they'll, they'll win a very narrow game. But for Toulouse, they'll feel, especially with some of the injuries that Leinster have, that they have a physical advantage here where they have size and power in a in a way that can hurt leinster so it's going to be such a fascinating game as to how it plays out like
0: yeah i think it's it's the kicking game as you said there and the the breakdown and the fact that it's wayne barnes there how exactly that is ref. if i think um some of what i've seen from it's it depends on on how you marshal the, and direct the Leinster play. Leinster, Leinster love their quick ball. They don't like people getting in over the ball and slowing it down. If you can force them to go certain ways, if you can slow down the ball, and these these are all big ifs. That's what that's what Toulouse will be hoping to do is to get there. And then I, I think you're you're dead right on the on the kicking game. Um, I think they're they're going to absolutely boot the leather off the ball and just kick it as long as they can.
2: And I think they they'll be looking to go without sexton how do you manage those post-transition sequences when because leinster are really good in that not necessarily directly from the run back they can score directly from counter-attack but once they get into that first and second rock after a transition that's where sexton is at his best where he's spotting guys out of position making big reads and executing they're going to want to put pressure on ross byrne in those moments and look to try to go look well what is your playmaking like under pressure because they're going to be putting big physical pressure on him, as you'd expect. Um, but I think the counter ruck is going to be a big factor in this game too, where Toulouse have a lot of size in their front five, a lot of big players. They'll be looking, especially with the injuries that Leinster have. If if Ryan Baird doesn't make it, um, to have a right cut off Leinster in the in the lineout, also it's going to be a big battleground. Um, it just feels that there's like there's Titanic battles all over the field, like and that's before you start getting into. Antoine Dupont and what he's capable of as an individual. I mean, the best player in the world at the moment. Where regardless of who's the actual trophy holder, I think Dupont is just a level above. Um, well, geez, what a what a game we have lined up here! Like, it's proper
1: test level, like proper proper. This is going to be, I don't know, I don't know, like a behemoth of a game.
2: Yeah, like and plus you look at like a guy like Jack Willis or Jean. Yeah. Class, Jacques Willis. Uh, I'm a big fan <laughs> of Jack Willis. Big, big he, fan. Um, you look and at just
1: to, just to point out, not a single French accent thrown in by Tom during this whole. I, d- I did.
2: What, Jack Willis? No, at the start it Did you? You, you missed this. You weren't even listening. But you're right. Really I blacked on your phone. out. I blacked out. <laughs> but yeah, no. He. I, I think you look at the players that both sides have available to them. I think to lose probably. Ha- I know they've got one or two injuries as well. But you look at their back five, because look, we've looked at Toulouse a lot this year. Um, for me, they were the best team Munster have played this year with regards to the ways they could beat you. Now, I know Munster pushed them close in Toulouse, but I just feel that they're the best team I've seen so far this year that Munster have played. And, you know, the physicality that they can bring. I think with, if Lenser are missing Ryan Baird, and they have to go, we'll say about killing Doris at six, Conan at eight. That's probably yeah. the way they go, right?
0: Yeah. Um, I would
2: think so. Doris. Van der Fleer. Fleer do, do they start Penny? Do they start Penny? That's a big that's silly. That's a big question.
1: <laughs> do they? Like, genuinely a, genuinely a good question. Like, is he in line like,
2: to start that game? Because so I think with mm. Baird, no. if Baird was fit. He'd, he'd, Penny would I'd be see, on the bench. I'd with, see Baird see. at six. Yeah, I would see Baird it's, at six. Yeah. And then you'd see maybe <clears throat> they maybe would go with Doris again at seven because ultimately, like, it doesn't really matter. Like, yeah, it's just a number. Yeah, it's just a number, really. So, like, I think that th- that fitness battle with to get Baird and, and Van der Fleer on the field will be a big deal for Leinster here because if they're missing both those guys or if they're maybe not even at 100%. All of a sudden, this becomes a very difficult game to manage selection wise. I don't like, know. I think. I think even if Van der Fleer is past fit, he
1: is hundred percent. He's like, he's, ju- to, yeah. he's just that kind of player yeah. where you you like you could watch him now on Saturday and you'd be like, where was I'll this say, doubt? Where was this yeah. doubt? Do you know what I mean? Like,
0: I suppose I, that's, the, I, that's the I, think st- I think Van der Fleer. I no, think we're doing this obviously on Wednesday night before the teams are announced. I'm I'm convinced Van der Fleer is in and hundred percent. I don't know about Baird, but certainly. Yeah, because
2: Baird. Baird had a shoulder issue. Like a, that's, they're very, I don't know, for a guy who's going to be as involved in the line out as he is. From what and I think that's what a fierce I've seen,
1: Um, Over the last number of years, watching rugby, like shoulders, very important. Yeah, you, you need you need those. You need those. <laughs> like you'd get away with certain body parts maybe being you hurt, can, but a shoulder you know, you, is uh, integral, really. You, could you can kind of strap up an ankle you can kind of
2: make you can make it work yeah what i found though is a shoulder is not an ankle it's um, it's not it's it's very much and if you look at the the song i mean head shoulders knees and toes totally like, different yeah it, it is the you shoulder reach, is second there you know you have to reach at least
1: seven foot you know to get from the shoulder to the ankle, or to the feet you know so uh, yeah it's like
2: but that's the, that's the worry because again yeah. like your shoulder will be getting big owies in this game big ouchies. Be, big ouchies are going to be coming there's in some, there's some
1: big boys looking to put <laughs> some big owies in on some other big boys and i look at so, like i, I think have the,
2: i think Leonard are the better midfield yeah fair um i think toulouse have the better halfbacks yes fair you're back row i would say you're probably or back five close I'd Say if Leinster have Van der Fleer fit, then that Leinster probably have the edge there. I would say At full strength, I'd give it to Leinster, yeah. But Toulouse have a, a few bad matchups for them there as well with their breakdown, you know. Front row, I think Leinster have an edge there, but scrummaging wise, scrum doesn't matter. Is, is this going to be the scrum game where the scrum matter. matters? And the answer is no, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's going to be very, very interesting. I see would see how it goes. I think that. Missing low is going to be a big one for Leinster. And it's, there's massive pressure here on Ross Burn to perform in this level of game from the start. Um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Hard to tell how this is going to go. I, go- I, feel, I feel Toulouse are going to win. I'm going Personally. to go
0: Leinster marginal by about three to four points.
2: I'm going Leinster as a... I'm going to go as Toulouse. This is, yeah. this is why you're <laughs> because backing against Lens has is why
0: so healthy all season.
2: <laughs> like, le rouge est noir.
1: If I if I was teaching you in school and you were still doing this, I'd literally be like, "You're on your own." Do you know that? Like, we're <laughs> we're finished here. Like,
2: I'll be right eventually, <laughs> <laughs> or will I? Or we'll will see. you? Who knows? We'll see.
1: What time is that on Saturday? <laughs> uh, 3 I
2: have no idea. Yeah. Three o'clock. Yeah, I, I kind of when that kind of fixture was kind of settled, I said to myself in my head, i will go, i will go to see it, i will go to watch that game. But then I remember, oh, wait, no, you have a child, you can't do that shit anymore. <laughs>
1: oh, you were going to go to the Aviva, like yeah, I was yeah, going to go gonna to the Aviva like. until I saw the price of it, and I was like, well, I'm not going to go anymore. Yeah, how about seventy-year-old cheapest tickets? Seventy-five, yeah. Good God, I don't want to see it that much. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it, like, but I'm not going to pay seventy-five quid for a ticket when it's not my team you know
2: yeah it's like um yeah. but the, the prices weren't that expensive last year for the same game were they Doesn't, I, I don't remember I don't remember that being a talking point yeah I was it
0: know. a quarter was it a quarter or
2: semi-final
1: last year? Semifinal. semi semi so the toulouse beat, beat Munster in the quarter
0: yeah, um all i couldn't, couldn't remember with the round of 16 was it was a monster in sixteen? Oh, was, was that round of
2: 16 Four? actually oh that was the season before it's Obviously. all it's all one, isn't it? Monster versus yeah. Exeter was round of sixteen last year. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all one. Yeah,
0: it, It's it all, all blends. And...
1: It's just not the Rainbow Cup, is it? It's
2: not. Nah, <laughs> I miss it. I miss the Rainbow Cup so much. Yeah, it's like who doesn't um, like rainbows? People forget. Actually, like a lot of people don't. Lot, lot of people. <laughs> a, lot a lot of people. Of people on social
0: media don't like it. <laughs> uh, move on then to the Six Nations game. Um, Ireland soundly beaten by England, forty-eight 0 not, not a lot of positives to bring to this. No, not, not
2: great. Look, I think Ireland did well to keep the score down. Um, where they lost war, you know, they they lost by more to France. France are as good as England, I think, or close enough to them. And um, there was a bit of grit there, um, character shown in that regard. I just feel that elements of just their f- structure, framework, skills, set piece defense no near good enough defense and, for me was a massive one like there was just so many
1: like so many errors that you're kind of watching and you're thinking to yourself like this is this shouldn't be happening like there was one off a touchline in the lead up where seven players are taken out with one pass like it's a touchline yeah, I saw that were all I think I, think I, day I day, shared day. it to you yeah like yeah. it's it's a touchline rook the next receiver is on your eighth defender and you're just kind of like come on like, what's the crack here? There was another ruck where you have five, including one behind it. Um, You have goal line D where people just aren't urgent, aren't getting off the line. Like you you said there, Tom, they did well to keep the score down. Um, Just looking at, you know, as a caveat, like I suppose, yeah, they, they lost by more last year to England, but so far in this championship, they've conceded 156 points after four games. They conceded 158 last year in total. Like this, like in terms of tries, like they scored 10 tries last year across the five games, they've only created one, like one was a penalty try, but they've actually only created one so far. Um, it's good enough, like, like it's, it's, it's not good enough, like it's, it's like they've conceded more tries already this season than they did last in the Six Nations, they've missed 151 tackles. Now, I'm not a big Miss tackle person, I don't really buy yeah. that as a statistic. Like, if if you see like fifteen odd miss tackles, twenty odd miss tackles, you're thinking to yourself, okay, maybe of the. Let's say it's eighteen. We we'll split the difference. If you're looking at that eighteen miss tackles, you might say to yourself, okay, maybe ten of them might be the system. Like someone shoots just to slow it down. The next one, blah blah blah. You probably, if you're that, and if you're that team's analyst or if you're that team's statistician you're probably not marking those down as missed tackles because it's part of the defensive system you're employing. But when you're averaging over 37 missed tackles a game, there's only so many of those missed tackles that you can, I suppose, allocate to the system. And to be generous there as well, like I'm using the word system, it's hard to see any sort of defensive system that's in play at the moment. Um, Like last week, we talked about the attack after that Italy game like Ireland Raw was going to struggle to impose themselves on this England team but you look at the defensive errors the defense allowed England to get a massive foothold in this game
2: and like, well, like even some of the simple stuff like the defense to set peace yeah oh, like yeah I sent that out yeah. to you as well yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I remember because I, like, I remember looking at it during the game and thinking why is there no why is there no pressure why is nobody closing the door here
1: yeah, like just, just for anyone listening, like there's you know, they they set a all a mall faint, they break off it, and the defensive line that is ten meters back, like initially has to be ten meters back to start off with, just doesn't advance. So it's just ten meters straight run. And you're kinda like, Well, I mean, there's only gonna be one result here, do you know? Um yeah, it was defensively looking at that England game. I suppose you can look at it attack-wise as well. Personally, I didn't see Ireland ever beating that England team. But looking at it defensively, yeah, there was just so many, so many questions to ask. Like, I mean, if they go into this Scotland game at the weekend with the same defensive errors that they did against England, they I lose. Mean, oh yeah, they will. Like, there's, there's no doubt about it. Like, yeah. and it won't even have to be Scotland trying to create that much because it's just going to be. Compressions forced by Ireland and just getting far too narrow themselves, and Scotland just saying, "Well, there's the space And actually, on there last week, we talked about it as well. That Italy game, we said that Ireland got very narrow in defence, and a better team will punish them for it. And they, we had it, like we saw it, you know. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't a great outing. Um, Look, Scotland have momentum; they're at home. Oh, it's a massive. Um, it's, a, it's a massive game. a colossal the, game. The WXV, like, it's still a massive game. So, like, for anyone wondering at the moment, Ireland in sixth, it means they're going to tier three of the WXV. They need to beat Scotland by the points difference, which is 31 points, deny Scotland anything. um, And then they go into a playoff. If they manage to do that, sorry, they go into a playoff with Spain. The winner of that goes into the tier two. The loser of that then goes into tier three with whoever finishes sixth. But if Ireland finish sixth, they're straight into that tier three. There's no relegation or promotion uh, in year one. So they're they're there. Like, it's not just a Six Nations game, if you get me. And it's not just avoiding a wooden spoon. It's also a pretty big dictator of what's where women's rugby is going to be or where Irish women's rugby is going to be playing, et cetera, uh, for the next two years as well. So it's, I suppose, the implications of this game are just bigger than well you know, you, you know, like you look at it. Last year, we beat Italy and we beat Scotland, and we've already lost Italy. You're thinking to yourself, okay, if we beat Scotland, maybe there won't be a complete regression on where we were last year. But there's more than that. Again, like it's yeah. sadly,
2: th- <laughs> there's there's more dependent on it. Like, yeah, and it's a it's, it's a f- bad year to be having a wooden spoon campaign with the WXV coming into yeah. because it, it has knock on effects, and it's like. they need a big turnaround to beat that Scotland team who are they're not great Scotland they're not they're not they wouldn't be as good as Wales but they beat Italy and like Italy had more than enough for Ireland so I mean just rugby match doesn't really work but at the same time it's it's going to be a very very tough fixture for them to go to especially with you know the losses that have been there you kind of go like well what's like how is the buzzer on the camp I mean losses after loss there's only so it can only be so good if there's you know the losses that have been there like there's only it's a tough ask and it's um it'll be the, like they need they need a win simple as that
0: it, to me it's fail to prepare prepare to fail they've hooked up the entire system systemic sort of background on this the contract, the whole lot there was the preparation for the tournament was piss poor in terms of the quality that they talked about. They had no proper warm up game in there as a as a, a national side. We can talk about this combined provinces stuff if you want, but I mean, like that that wasn't the standard needed. They failed to pick in terms of uh, they've tried to rely on the AIL rather than the the interpros. They've failed to have any consistency in selection. They failed
2: to. It's been, a, been a problem.
1: I feel too massive. Yeah. You've had three, di- three different halfback pairings in three games, the first three games. You've had three different halfbacks in four games. You've had three different center partnerships in four games. Like, the how likes of. You, let's how say, can
2: you build a rhythm with that? Like, you can't.
1: Yeah. And, like, the, the likes of like, Vicky Irwin. like, and I'm not signaling her out for playing poorly. I'm just saying she was put into a position to play 12 for the first time against France, not against Eng- or not against Italy, and then brought back in to play 12 against England. And you're kind of like, well, why not Italy? Like, why not start that game at twelve and allow her to see the
2: pictures and give her a chance to kind of get up to speed with it? It's like this. This team feel a little bit raw, you know. Where there's there's been a big deal made about it. there's like there's a lot of the inex- the experienced players aren't there. So if there's lots of inexperienced people there and they haven't played a whole ton of rugby together, they need to play. Give them, give them one, two, three, four games on the trot. If there's injuries, there's injuries. or somebody's playing really poorly, yeah, take them out. But to be chopping and changing as much. I think it's putting them into the position where all that's going to happen is that they'll fail. Yeah, but like, you, know?
1: like you said there about injuries, you're, 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 you've nailed it because like you look at Anya Breen, she got injured in that first game. If she doesn't, she's starting she's starting against France, let's say. She's hmm. starting against Italy, she's starting against England. Now she is injured, but we've still had two different people come into 12. It's the same with uh, Cronin. So she starts the first game at 10. She was initially named on the bench at Scrum Half cover um no she was taken off that as well but ultimately if you want that continuity like you've taken your starting 10 to bench 9 it you're just kind of like where where is this going and then you are bringing, it, it, you're, bringing it, it, you're bringing in a very young 10 into that second game um and and Dan O'Brien is a good player yeah well, yeah i'm not knocking she's, her like honest no, oh, the think she's a good player but like is in your, but where you're, where you're taking a young it. 10 in the second game and then giving her a different 9 in the third game and then going back to the same nine in the fourth game. Like, and is, kinda, she, and,
2: is she in the best position to succeed? No, absolutely no. not. No, that's You wouldn't, you wouldn't do that with a, an underage team. You would try to give them the best sort of preparation they could by playing with the same group week to week. It's just, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Look, and nobody is making, you know, what we are perceiving in our, in our opinion to be wrong decisions. Nobody tries to do that on purpose. But I try to look at the the logic of it, and it just with the selection in particular. To me, I I can't see the sense of it, you know. Especially with how important this Six Nations could then could end up actually being, you know, to be finishing with a, a wooden spoon. But and I it's think not if, good if whatever had, way you slice it,
0: if someone had, as you would say there, if if they had taken it and decided. <clears throat> We can't afford hybrid contracts. We can't afford to keep the big experienced players. We know that sevens is the priority in the women's game. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with a very young, very inexperienced group, and we're going to play them continuously to get that experience so that in four or five years' time, they are going to be an experienced group who can compete. And you look at a long-term project, I think people could have got behind that and accepted some of the results that have come this time. But they haven't. They've chopped and changed. They've failed to implement what I think are for whatever reasons they failed to implement either a defensive system or an attacking system that works they've struggled deeply between the players and the coaches to implement this and they're at a point now where you really have to question what they're going to get out of this they're not getting anything out of this Six Nations they're they're going to put themselves into a poor situation and they haven't sort of played for the future There's, there's no planning there for that either and you know there's gonna to have to be changes. There's gonna something's gonna to have to change, or else Ireland or sorry, women's rugby, 15s rugby in Ireland, is going down a very, very dark path that is not gonna see it come out for a long, long time on the international stage.
1: Who are we going for this weekend? Scotland. I, I think Scotland will win, but I hope Ireland do. That's yeah, I'm that's where I am as a, I I think there's just too much improvement needed in both attack and defence to to get there in one week.
2: Yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's just uh, difficult at the moment to see where they're going to get a win from, but it's all there. For and they, al- they also need
1: to beat Scotland by over twice the points that they've scored in total so far this championship. So it's just, nah, it's quite bleak, whatever way you look at it, I suppose. Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah. Okay, we'll round it up there, folks. Thank you very much for listening to our ramblings and for supporting the podcast. Please do rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen to as it really helps. And also be sure to share the podcast on social media. Hope you have a good week and the three of us will be back next week to chat again.